Welcome to episode 11 of Song Chronicles. In this episode, we continue our conversation with the great Gloria Estefan. In this second part, we talk about how female artists are presented in the media, and Gloria offers her candid advice to younger female artists about how to portray themselves in the market, as well as asking, how many men do you see shaking their booties? I spoke to Gloria from her home, and she says the pandemic has resulted in her longest ever stay at home. She's managed, though, to stay productive, editing videos for her new song, Samba, and Cuando Hay Amor, with her assistant, Heather. Editing is her happy place. It's one of the things she loves most doing. The pandemic, however, has made her miss the social contact, so much so that she has occasionally gone out to her yard to hug a tree. Gloria particularly misses seeing the rest of her family, especially her eight-year-old grandson. She even wore a hazmat suit to see him. Gloria is following up on her recently released album, Brazil 305, by readying a new Facebook watch series, Red Table Talk, The Estefans, that she's doing with her daughter Emily, a talented singer-songwriter herself, and niece Lily. Song Chronicles is proud to present the second part of our two-part interview with the trailblazing Gloria Estefan. I watched the halftime at the Super Bowl, and I was sitting around with a bunch of women in Nashville watching Shakira and J-Lo, and, and we were rooting for how empowered they were with their sexuality and dancing, and, you know, it was a lot of work, and it was done incredibly well, and it was bold and really brave. And then I read all this backlash, how people were upset in America, how it was giving their daughters the wrong message. And, you know, it's this really fine line. And I wondered where you were on that. What do you think about the rise in female MCs doing Latina rap music? And it's all about the booty shake and, you know, wanting to compete on the same grounds as the male competitors and making it all about sex. Where do you find that line and, and what would you want younger songwriters and artists to know about how to present themselves in the market in terms of their sexuality? Well, first I agree with you a thousand percent that that was an amazing halftime show, especially that you have a woman that's 50 that if you would have thought years ago would have been put out to pasture long before just because and she's one of the most incredibly sexy hard-bodied hard-working because j-lo is one of the hardest working people that i know in the industry hands down she's continued to hone her skills she stayed on top of it you know uh shakira too she's an artist they put on a great show i saw absolutely nothing that would have said to me oh no but you know how it is <laughs> and now not only does everybody have an opinion now everybody has a way of expressing the opinion because before unless you were a journalist or a critic and had a newspaper job or somewhere nobody was going to hear your opinion unless you called into the radio or one of those call-in shows. But now we have a way where everyone and their mother can write down 
what they think. And yeah, all opinions are valuable, but let's face it, social media, and again, since I studied communication, this is a really keen interest of mine now. It is also an avenue for hate and just spewing and looking for, oh, here I am, everybody, and I'm going to say this crazy thing because I'm anonymous behind this, you know, tablet or phone or whatever. So I don't give much credit to those kinds of things. Now, what I would say to young artists and MCs, and you see a lot of the booty shaking, if the booty shaking is you, by all means, go for it because you're the one that's going to pay the price. If and when things do change and that image doesn't grow well with you into your future career. But if that's you and it's representing you, do it. But if it's because you think that that's the only way that you're going to get eyes on you, then that is a very big trap because, yeah, we can own our sexuality, but really think about it. How many men do you see shaking their booty? They don't do that. They have used women's booty shaking or are, you know, celebrating the things that women or the lyrics on some of these songs, I, I can't believe actually get on the airwaves because they are really, especially in Spanish, I don't know, but to me, dirty words in Spanish sound way dirtier than, you know, words in English to me. Spanish can be really, because it's a language of, a romance language. So the dirty words, maybe just because I grew up Cuban, but they just sound dirtier to me. And that part kind of, you know, to me, I think this is going out, this is mass meditation that we're doing through television and, you know, whatever is getting on the airwaves. And each time you go further and further, the bottom drops down lower and lower. And for me, I've always tried to elevate, you know. So what I would say to girls is, if this is you and you really feel this is what I want to do for me, this is how I want to portray myself. I have a great butt and let me show it. Or I love sex and let me talk about it. Great. But I just hope they don't fall into the trap of this is the only way you're going to get any kind of, you know, attention because that's a problem later on. And you may be very sorry if you did things more than you would have just to try to get airplay or a chart position or something like this. And that would be a shame because that kind of goes against the whole reason for being free. So yeah. as long as you're free and you want to do it because you want to do it, then that's fine. But somehow I don't think that's the case mm -hmm. all the time. I think that it's becoming a standard and an expectation. And that would be a shame, you know, that girls look at who's successful and say, oh, I've got to do this or else I'm not going to get any attention. And on the other hand, you see all these amazing artists, young dancers and singers that are doing all this creative stuff online that is phenomenal. So there's a balance. There's no need really to, to do something that's out of your comfort zone or that's not really you. But yeah. I, I don't believe in censorship. I think everyone should express themselves however they want to. But there is a danger, you know, now with all this free-for-all of, of uh, spewing all these emotions into everywhere. I think, I ideally, I think it shouldn't be anonymous. I think that anybody that puts an opinion or writes something should say it from who they are, not from a position of, I'm hiding, oh, let me throw that out there and cause a fire, you know, so. Yeah, it's like pulling a grenade and hiding behind a wall afterwards, you know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I think less grenades would be thrown if people, if you knew who was throwing it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, you know, there are very few women who enroll in 
production, audio engineering, even in management, even in the music business, even in communications, as you say, in relation to marketing of the music business. I have a chart somewhere here that I haven't printed, but it's, well, first of all, Hispanic is something like 4% of the people who enroll in those courses. And women probably go down to two, between two and 3%. So what is it about these fields that women don't get the message that they can succeed and be great at these jobs? You know, you're so right. And I made that same observation because in all of my years, yeah, no women. So I've thought about that a lot. I've thought maybe is it that for us, you know, the things that they imagine, but I don't think in school, unless you're already in the music industry, somehow or have heard about it or grown up around it or something. I don't think that's a career they even know exists or that is a possibility. Now, this whole thing with GarageBand and giving everyone really the opportunity to be able to edit video, kids are very savvy now. So I think what's going to happen now is that they don't think they need to because everything is put so easily on their plate that you could pretty much record a whole song on GarageBand by just following the instructions and doing everything in an easy way. Before, it was really difficult. You had to learn how these boards worked and all that. And I still love a board, you know, I still love everything laid out, even though Pro Tools is great. And I don't know how to use Pro Tools. Emily does everything, the logic, the Pro Tools, the whole thing. I think you have to have an inclination towards music. And I think if you already do, then probably girls are going to want to either be the musicians, be the artists, or be more in a position where it's not like a secondary position. Like for you or for me, I would love to take that course because I am all about that. But that's a curiosity. You're, it's true what you say, though. And now let's hope we don't lose all those jobs because of the ease of Pro Tools and computers to record digital music. I mean, Emily went to... Berkeley College of Music, but now the problem is that now music is in such a state that parents to dish out like over $50,000 a year and then think that you might not have a job when you come out of it is is a tough sell. So it, these things, you know, technology changes and gives you opportunities and takes others away. You know, entire industries have gone under, like who prints a picture anymore, which is a shame because I have all these albums and I can pull anyone down and look at it and the picture's still there. If I have digital copies of something, what if the drive crashes? They're gone. There goes your history. Or, you know, even if you back it up, it's not a tangible. It's like this weird thing. Yeah, it's an interesting world we're living in. Yeah. Like I say, when we buy clothes, it's dry clean. You're just renting clothes because you never finish paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very, I love that. That's a great point. It's <laughs> true. So yeah. I, I have a question just about your, you know, your self-care and you look beautiful as always. Oh, thank you. Thank uh, you so yeah, you do. You're ageless. You and my mom yeah. both, I tell you, you know. She's a teenager. Well, you know what? That's good genes for you because you look like a child. So <laughs> thank you. That's, I'm, that's a beautiful thing. Thank you. I'm blessed with the genes. I do get from you that you have a need to be in environments that are nourishing and to keep conflict and too much noise away from yourself so you can create and be with your family and be who you are. Do you have a way of dealing with when a lot of things are happening at once? For example, your record just came out and obviously you're at home and things are not the same and 
you know, do you ever get this feeling in your heart of nervousness when things are going really well? Like, oh my God, it's going to take me out of this good place that I'm in right now at home. And, oh, I've, I've got to prepare and put makeup on and be in front of cameras and, you know, meet the president and whatever it is. Do you get those feelings? And, and how do you, I mean, by now you've done this so long that I'm sure you have things you do. I mean, do you meditate? What is your way of dealing with all that? You know, that's incredible. First of all, one good way is Emilio. He really takes on a lot of the stuff that he doesn't, he tries to keep it out from me having to deal with it. But ultimately, him and I are a team. So there's always decision making that has to happen. And he has to bring it to me. And I, I want to, we want to share in those things. And I want to help him as well. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm. can I be honest with you and tell you that I'm loving being from home and doing these kinds of things from here? Because yeah. rather than thinking, I would be incredibly, you know, going crazy before. And I'm sure you know how this is because you do it after every time you roll out a new thing. I'd be sitting in a room somewhere. They'd be people coming in and out. Each one of them would want to then take pictures, which would slow down the next one and I would end up finishing at midnight something that I was supposed to finish at eight o'clock at night and then you've got the, the hair people and the makeup people and, and they're coming in and it becomes a big scene which is like the total opposite of mm -hmm. what I like so mm -hmm. this scenario has given me a great opportunity to get up out of my, you know, I wake up, I'll give myself time to lollygag in bed because I'm not a jumper out of bed like Emilio, he's like boom, out Yeah. I do my own makeup, I studied it in college because I, I like to be self-sufficient. I don't like to think that there's something that I need someone to do for me. If I, in a pinch, of course I love it when they do and get pampered and whatnot. But now with COVID specifically, the less people around me, the better. So I know how to dye my own hair. I've taught my assistant how to do it. I can hang upside down and diffuse my curls and that it's fine. I don't put on a lot of makeup. I can sit in this place that I feel comfortable, which is really good for interviews because you're just more relaxed. You it, Automatically, you're more relaxed when you're in your space. So the key word for me is balance. If I know that things are going to gear up before I would have, when I was younger, I would have been like frazzled and going crazy and trying to think why, because I was a little bit of a procrastinator before. You know, I don't like trying on clothes, so I would leave it to the bitter end and then you're scrambling. I don't like, you know, certain things that at photography or photo sessions because they're hard work. You have to not only look good, your body's in an uncomfortable position if it's going to look right, and you have to make a connection that's natural with the camera. All right, those things I don't like and have to gear up for. But what experience and time has given me is now I will do everything way in advance so that I can relax. So right now, on Monday, we're going to start shooting Red Table Talks with my niece and my daughter, the Jada Pinkett Smith offshoot. We're franchising it, the Estefans. So I've been all along, every time I have a minute, I'm preparing the outfits. We, we went months before to get be ready and have a bunch of stuff here. Thankfully, my assistant, Heather, is also someone that multitasks. She's an editor. I love to sit with her and edit. That's my happy place. And... Uh, We've done all these videos. We edited the Samba video. We edited the Cuando Hay Amor video, even though they shot it, Sony, but they're doing so many things. I'd rather have control. So we've been doing all these things and those things I love. There's some things you don't love so much. You got to do them. Every job has it. But now I just take things with a grain of salt. You know, I, it's like after that accident, what can really be so horrible? 
you know, and I had to come back from literally learning to walk again and being paralyzed. I'm happy that I can do anything. So it just, it's a joy. And you figure out how to to balance it out. I love nature. So I try to stay close to nature as much as I can. We have a house in Vero right on the beach. I went, I spent three months here. It's the longest I've ever been in one at one time because I couldn't see my kids. They always take precedence. If I have free time, it was always spent with the kids or finding a way to get together with them. And now I couldn't be with them. So it's like, okay, let me take time for me now that I, you know, as a mother, you usually don't get that luxury. We're always thinking about somebody else and putting them first. And even my mom, when she was around, it was like, if I had a free moment, I was over with my mom because I I did so much and she missed me so much. And then my daughter and my son and my grandson. And so, yeah, it's a balance. We, we women, we have to do it all and we find ways to do it, you know? And I'm lucky that I do something I love because a lot of women can't take their kids to work with them like I did Mm -hmm. and have to do what they have to do. So I find a way. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think after quarantine, there will be a point at some point we will all go back into the world and the world clearly will be different? Very much. Uh, What do you think that you will take forward from what you've learned about, you know, economy with your time? You don't have to there's not as much travel involved. Do you think that you will insist that you are able to continue to do more things from home as a result of this experience? Absolutely. And I think that's going to happen with a lot of people. I know a lot of companies that are not going to bring their employees back to an office if they can achieve their goals, you know, at home. Um, It's going to save a lot of people money. Number one, think about all the TV shows that have to pay for you to get. And if you're, you know, at a certain level, they have to pay first class tickets and they have to put you up in a hotel to sit for two minutes to talk to you, you know, across country. This is going to change. It's going to get a lot fancier. We're going to find better ways to do it. But I honestly can imagine some of this stuff sticking around. It's not going to be the last pandemic. Absolutely. We'll find new ways of doing it. What I do hope we can do again is to celebrate together body to body in a place, celebrate music, celebrate a concert, be able to feel comfortable around each other because humans are social beings. We need each other. I miss hugging. I've gone back and hugged a tree in my backyard and I was always a tree hugger, but I literally felt the need to feel a live thing, a tree, which I love. And I think they have amazing, amazing energy. And I literally have been hugging, you know, other than my animals, my trees, because I feel something back from them. So I think that hopefully we'll be able to get back to, but undoubtedly things have been changed, I think, uh, quite a bit forever. Have you seen your grandchildren or your kids? Or I saw my grandson twice so far. Mm-hmm. Once on his birthday, June 21st, after lockdown on March 16th, mm-hmm. where we were talked my son into putting his paranoia aside and letting us do something in my giant backyard, all of us in masks, my son in a respirator, and I bought a hazmat suit, those disposable suits, and I opened it in front of my son, I put it on, so he couldn't tell me that I wasn't gonna hug my grandkid. Because he goes, no, because your employees, and they go to the grocery store, I go, they bathe when they come back. We've all had tests, we're all negative, but at least he let him come. That hug with my grandson, I will never forget it as long as I live. The longing, the we didn't want to let go because we're really tight. I've worked on that relationship with him. He would come over and sleep over and 
I spend time one-on-one -on -one with him. We have a great relationship. So I have missed that to no end. And then when I came back from Vero Beach, I went to take them some food and drop it off as an excuse and put the hazmat suit on again and hugged him in the backyard. But he wouldn't let me in the house. So it's like, okay. My son is, uh, you know, he doesn't want the baby to get sick. And I can understand it, you know, got to be patient, got to respect what the parents say. But so, yeah, I've hugged my grandson twice in the last five months. And my daughter, I've also seen maybe twice. I'm going to, I'm looking forward to Red Table Talk just so I can spend time with her on the set. So I'm really excited about that. And she's amazing. I, I really am so yeah. proud of her. Yeah, I was going to say she is badass and Yeah, she is. Yeah. And Molly, like you, you know, she she plays drums, piano, guitar, she writes, she can produce her own record. She did it alone in her apartment uh when she was away at college. It was like that Stevie Wonder spurt of in two months he wrote Songs in the Key of Life and mm -hmm. Inner Visions and she wrote her first album and recorded everything on it by herself in that tiny apartment and I'm so incredibly proud. I wish on a good day I could do 10% of what this little girl does it's a tough moment though and i always tell her stick to your guns do what you believe you know make the music that you want to make but she's still discovering what that is you know she's refused to put out after that first album she's written two complete other albums one that she did on her own and one that she did with a friend that was kind of like a, a mix of dance uh, like it's really cool super cool under the name to jasper i go release the music oh but i'm not there i go put it as a throwback people need to see your progression these songs are amazing i'm not gonna blow smoke you know what i'm saying i'm not gonna tell her oh this is phenomenal so I'm trying to convince her to release the demos the demos are fantastic and i told her i go look mama Anything for you, my first number one ever on the pop charts in the United States and worldwide was my dummy vocal. The day I wrote the song, I went into the studio, with, played, the, played it for my keyboard player. We sat down and I just sang it through so that they could take it and do an arrangement because it was at the end of that record. We were coming in. It was the last song I recorded for that album. And fully expecting to come back and actually sing it was my thought. Well, you know what? They came back, they did an amazing arrangement. And when I started singing the song, it didn't matter if technically I was focusing or whatever. There was something missing in the emotion that was there the day that I wrote it, that I was excited that I, the emotion in that song, I couldn't, I couldn't beat it. I couldn't match it. So I said, you know what? Leave the dummy vocal. And that's my first number one song is a performance of the first time I ever sang the song that I had just written. So I tell her, perfection is not the key. It's emotion and honesty and realness. And sometimes that happens when the mix is not perfect or in your mind now, but it works for the song perfectly well because that's what you created at that moment. So I'm trying to talk her into releasing some of that stuff because... She's making such a big deal of getting back to writing and focusing on that, that she's building herself, I think, this, like, uh, expectation. She's got, she's like an A-type personality, like Emilio. They, she expects so much out of herself that sometimes she expects way too much, and that's not what art is about. Art is yeah. about, you know, free expression of emotion and a thought or an idea. So, hey, but she's young. She's got to learn, you know little by little.
but she's a beast. I'm in awe of her. I, when you see her live, you cannot take your eyes off of her. She, and she's natural, you know, because she, like me, also did not like being the center of attention. That's her nature. But she's a born musician, and that's, you know, it, she's amazing. So hopefully she'll find her way and be able to get stuff out there and have people enjoy it and go perform, which is her forte. She's just incredible on that stage. And, and is she making her own videos too? She made, uh, for example, in her album, she wrote this song called Purple Money, and she went into the apartment's garbage room and emptied it out, took the garbage cans out and filmed all this stuff. And then my assistant and I tried all these crazy little animated things. I made her videos. I directed it under my nom de plume, which is Porquilina Porcus, because I didn't want, you know, to put out something and then her mom, you know, directed it or whatever. I just wanted to help her out. And we really gave her a video that would have cost probably half a million dollars and like a fraction of that because there, was, there wasn't money. She didn't have a record company. And I also told her, don't ever give away your masters. There is nothing that any company can do now in this day and age that is going to be worth you surrendering the rights to your music and to your um, recordings. So the deal she got with Orchard was a, a distribution deal. And I go, listen, it, it may be harder because companies don't have the money now to promote. They really don't have it. There's not a physical thing they're selling that is going to make them back the money. So I told her, you have a lot of opportunities and I will help you every step of the way. Just stay true to yourself. Keep control of your, she opened, I told her she opened her own publishing, Alien Shrimp Records. She's got her own little company. <laughs> and she's got a studio within our studio that she can work on. And, you know, hopefully we'll see a lot of beautiful things. I've already heard them. I'm trying to get her to release them. These songs are, they're hits. Yeah, it's great advice. All of that is incredible advice. And it's interesting because, you know, coming from where you come from, you know, it, it, it's what independent artists are doing today. They're taking charge of their, their catalog, their masters, their sound, their look, their videos. And, you know, it's a different measurement. The measurement used to be, you know, record sales or chart positions. And, and maybe in your world that still is, you know, if I was talking to your manager, he might say that's important. But there's a different... Yeah. yeah, it's okay. It's two seconds long. Yeah, it's two seconds long. Yeah, we debuted at number one. Ten minutes later, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a, <laughs> I love that. Great. Right? I'm not going to say I'd rather debut at number yeah. one than not, but right. It's just a different world. Right. Instead of instead of fifteen minutes, we get ten minutes. You know, <laughs> it's it's five. shortened, and then it gets <laughs> five. Yeah. Yeah, but the currency really is people's eyes and attention to even like be on their screens for that moment for them to know that you've put something out and and everything's got its own little niche now and you know, I'm sure I mean I'm this little tiny podcast in the world of podcasts out there but I'm sure lots of people will find out will discover you who probably wouldn't normally Absolutely. you know come, come across your records through, you know, listening to this because I wouldn't usually talk to an artist of your caliber on, oh, on my little podcast. Yeah, give me a break. <laughs> my caliber. <laughs> caliber. We're all the same caliber. Well, yeah. Because, you know, uh, we listen and I agree. There's nothing I love more than discovering something that I never would have through yeah. somebody else. 
and I hear, I just did something also, uh, how I found my voice with the BBC. Not the, I think it comes out on the BBC, but again, it's a podcast talking about how artists found who they were. And I think that's much more important now. People really want to find out and know, and they'll look, you know, so I'm definitely going to put out that I'm going to be on this, but you have an audience already that, like you said, may not know anything about me so all these things are great this is more my style i had to get used to the other thing like the big thing like when they take you out to la and you do the big photo shoot and we had done a great video that we directed and we did for bad boy way back in the day that it was an homage to the jerry lewis movies and we shot at the fountain blue and it had a story and i loved that video so then they signed me and they go oh no you have to come out to la and we're gonna get the top you know, director, video guy, and he's going to do this whole thing and it's going to be great. And when we get there, we were all dressed like cats. Like, and I'm going like, okay, now I'm this young artist. I'm not going to say, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to, you know, balk at the record company that's trying to do something. But to this day, I like our video better. And so do my fans because everyone's wondering, what the hell do these cats have anything to do with this song? Like, it was just one of those moments where, Somehow that was a big deal, uh, the director or the, I, I don't know. But it, again, I much prefer now that I can just choose what I want to do, like we did early on. Emilio and I, we did it ourselves. And I was happy every step of the way. Yeah. And, and the more we learned about the bigger world, the more we realized that we had to stick to our guns and, you know, to our thought and who we were and our identity. Yeah. Because they'll try to chew you up out there, you know, and, and spit you out in the way they want to see you. Yes, absolutely. A woman, I'm glad I had Emilio in a lot of instances because I wasn't the one having to deal with these big record execs and the people in power that, hello, you know how it is for women and how it's been forever. So I was spared that because yeah. Emilio was right by my side. And I know a lot of women that weren't spared that, that had a really tough time having to maneuver that. And I could see how that would happen too. So I, yeah. I was very fortunate in that respect. Yeah, I'm thinking now that you're home, do you have cassettes or, or you know, do you have boxes of old rehearsals or demos or things that, you know, have been under the radar that, I mean, can you could you put out the, the Gloria bootleg record of your own, <laughs> you know, lost, uh, you know, raw, unedited tracks? That would be Maybe fascinating. It's all in the studio. It's all yeah. in our studio. But the problem is time. Like, yeah. my fans are begging us to, because we own now, the first three records that we did on our own before mm -hmm. Sony. And they want this digitized, and we want to digitize it. And but the time we have to go to the vault, take out the you know the big tape, the forty-two track or many track. We have to remaster it, and we're doing so much at the same time that it's really impossible. And you can't really delegate that kind of work. You can't give it to somebody, and at the same time, you want to do it before something happens to those tapes because they're old as hell. So uh, yeah, those things exist. My my sister and I would always kid. I say I'm going to put out a record. Gloria Stefan's sister sings her parody hits. <laughs> that parody album. Some of them cannot be shared. Some of them would rival some of those new MCs and the kind of stuff. Oh, dirty parodies. 
That would That's, be a good. That would be a good underground. Well, do do you have mixes of them? Of, I mean, old what? mixes on. Yeah, on, we have everything. But again, yeah, you're talking about four decades. This yeah. album, these albums came out in '76, '78, and '79. So imagine, you know, what we have to dig through there and find, and we'll do it. Yeah. But it's when is the is the key. So we're yeah. still organizing. We have a warehouse full of stuff that we need to get rid of. We have three stages in there. Hmm. But I'm not going to go back. And like just the sheer amount of work that it's going to take to sort through it. We have to do it. But to sort through all that is like, oh, Emilio's a hoarder, an organized hoarder, but a hoarder nonetheless. And thank God, because Emily has reused a lot of my outfits that I saved from Alaya, I mean, I couldn't fit that into one leg now, but apparently <laughs> Emily's body fits it. You know, we kind of spread out into the universe a little bit. You can't contain yourself as you get older, but she fits everything perfect. I look at it and I go, how did I fit in? How was I ever in this thing? Oh my God. This has been amazing. I am so honored. This has been the best conversation. I mean, we, we did meet on the bus when my mom got the George Gershwin yes. Prize for a popular song, and it was great to see you there. I know you also got that award. And we did. I feel that Carol gave me a big kick in the in the butt of luck when I was able to perform for her in the White House. Can you imagine how I felt standing up there, you know, with these two amazing women that were with me, and your mother is sitting in the front row next to the President of the United States, and I am singing music that when I was a kid, got me through some of my toughest moments. And even that music, because the song we sang, it was other artists that did it, but it was also instrumental in my upbringing and made me happy and made me feel all these things. So imagine how special that night was for me to be able to do that and getting to meet all of you and on the bus. It was just such a special, special thing. And I will never forget it. And she remains true to my heart and anything having to do with her and you I love this conversation we rarely get that time with anybody you know how it is it's like it's always rush 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 everywhere and the good stuff sometimes has to wait for the right moment and look what it took this kind of moment to have the kind of time where and, and absolutely I was so thrilled when I got the request I'm really so happy to be here with you and you as an artist that understands you know where we're coming from and and grew up around the whole thing. So you've, you've had a whole bird's eye view there of something very special. Have you written about it yet? I haven't really. My mom asked me years ago, she said, you should write a memoir. And I said, I'm, I'm too busy creating the thing I would write about. I'm still in it. I'm still exactly. living my life. And I do write and I love writing. Uh, really for me, the podcast is like this living, breathing. You're writing. Yeah, my history does get intertwined with some of the people that I talk to. And, you know, one of the things I love is when I'm editing the podcast and putting them all together. I didn't figure this out until a little later. I thought, why do I feel so good today? Why do I feel so enriched? And I realized that even when I'm listening to conversations I may have had weeks ago or months ago, I feel like I've spent this enriching time with 
great friends and family members just by reliving the conversation. And I have that feeling of enrichment that you have when you've visited with people you care about and the exchange and the stories. It's it's a lot of work, I will say, because like Emily, you know, I'm constantly like I'm filming and writing and multi-instrumentalist, putting layers on things. And I love to edit videos too. I'm, I have a to-do list that's crazy of things okay. I want to do and the podcast seems to take up the lion's share of time. But it is a labor of love and something about it feels important because, you know, maybe I'm in a unique position in that, and and I've always been this way. One thing I've always felt is the way I was raised, because I was raised around musicians, people whose common language was music, that I could go anywhere in the world around any kind of person from any kind of background and connect with them and cross normal Lines of lines of division of I'm young or I'm female or I'm American. I just had this ease with accepting differences with people, and and also at the same time I was rarely intimidated by people's accolades because I always saw people as people first and all of that was always just along the side. The one time I got starstruck is when I met Yo-Yo Ma. <laughs> oh, Yo-Yo Ma. I can see why. It really is an honor. I'm very grateful that you've taken me, the time. Me too. Me too. And you do have a very special position where you are because you have, like Emily, She was raised like you around music and around people from everywhere. But you already have respect and you have a lot of love given to you both because of the things you've done and because of your mom. So people are going to listen to you. They're going to want to hear everything you have to say and you have a great opportunity to do it. I imagine it's a lot of work because just thinking about you having to edit this down like is... I love editing myself too. It's my happy place. I think because yeah. I'm sitting here creating the thing, like when you, you know, edit I love a film it. or I love whatever. It. Yeah. I love it too. It is time consuming though. So I appreciate you inviting me on this journey with you here. And I wish you the best for all of your podcasts. Please give my love to your mama. And I, I thanked her. I was so blown away by her even mentioning my album that that was so special. And some of the best memories will be Emily up on stage with her and me in Foxwoods where she was so warm and, and you know, it's you, your family, you, you, you guys have brought only beautiful things to my life and have given me a life of music and uh, continue to be a big part of, of my heart and soul. So I thank you for that. And I thank you for this, for giving me the opportunity to talk to you. I see it in my grandson already, by the way, he's taking piano lessons. He's got kind of like that boomy operatic voice already from his other side of the family. His timing is impeccable. He's the other day he sang me Our House by Graham Nash Mm -hmm. and he sang it complete. He did not veer away from the key that he Mm -hmm. chose. His timing is like spot on. I when, when you're a grandmother one day, you'll understand. But it's just like you see this in this tiny little person and we have such a good relationship. It's really beautiful and I can see it. He's gonna be Sasha Silver, you mark my word, 17. He's going to be a rock star, this kid. You watch one day. I doubt it. (laughs) Did you get the idea to write your children's books from your own kids or, you know? Well, way before. I got them from my bulldog, Noel. 
And since my mom was a teacher and I used to always help her out, she'd always drag me into her classroom mm -hmm. uh, when I was younger to help her in a million ways. And for a minute, I thought about being a teacher until I went into the classroom with my mother and mm -hmm. I go, oh my God, no, this is like, I'll help her. But I always, I love Dr. Seuss and I always wanted to do something for kids that could be used as a lesson and a moral also with the entertainment. So that's why I did it all rhyming. And uh, I think kids just, these lessons stick more in their minds that way. And it was really inspired by my English bulldog, Noel, who was this otherworldly dog that I still miss. And that was like a person. And she, the things I saw her do when she came to the house with the Dalmatians, and then I got the idea from watching her trying to be long and then I got the idea about kids and how important it is to maintain who you are and it all just happened so uh Emily was little when when I wrote that book she was about maybe nine and yeah I dedicated it to her and my son but writing when you write you write and I always if I can do it I will before I go from this earth mm -hmm. you know if I get an idea of something that I want to do then I want to follow through and do it and whatever it is you know even if I'm the eyebrow queen I pluck everybody's eyebrows you I, are the eyebrow queen I, I don't the whole time I've been looking. Telling you, I am the eyebrow queen. They, my daughter books appointments. My my housekeeper, please do my eyebrows. I'm going to write Frank and I'm going to say, have her send me her routine. I want to learn. <laughs> it's so yeah. great. Thank well, you so much. All right, Gloria. Well, I'll let Stay you go. Well. Yeah. Oh my God, I hope those fires and all that stuff happening over there is mayhem from what I've seen in the news. That Napa and that place is like on fire now. And geez, as uh, if it went off with everything else going on. I'm going to send you good vibes and pray. Thank you. You thank send you. us some vibes because we're in COVID central over here right now in Florida. Oh, it's bad. So I don't Stay go anywhere. Stay safe. Yeah, Stay yeah. safe. Oh, thank you so much, Gloria. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was part two of our two-part interview with Gloria Estefan. What a great opportunity that was. She was so relaxed. This is one thing about doing these interviews via Zoom is by getting people in their home, they're really relaxed and it's really easy to talk to them. And it was such a generous amount of time that she spent with me. And I'm so grateful to be able to share that conversation with you. Next week on Song Chronicles, I'm really excited to share with you an interview with the McBroom sisters. McBroom sisters have made an incredible album called Black Floyd of Pink Floyd songs and also some originals. I'm actually singing on one of the songs with them. I've also known the McBroom sisters since we were all teenagers, so it's fascinating for me to have seen them over the years and hear about what they're doing now. So please tune in next week to have a conversation with me and Lorelai and Durga McBroom of the McBroom Sisters. Thanks for listening.